0: Welcome to the Bible Unbound podcast, Ancient Mysteries of the Scriptures Explored. I'm your host, Jim, and I invite you to join me on a quest to unravel the profound and mysterious narratives that lie within the pages of the world's most revered text, the Bible. And the most mysterious of all books of the Bible is the Book of Revelation. We began last week, with our first episode, where we began to look at things like the majesty of the book of Revelation. We looked at the theme of the book of Revelation, the purpose of the book of the Revelation. We all take it from chapter 1 and verse 1, which is the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him concerning things That are ready to come to pass. So, with that first phrase of the book of Revelation, we launch into a discovery of the glory and the majesty of this book, whose theme is directly right there in the first words of the text the revelation or unveiling of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now today, we want to take a look at various interpretations that have been applied toward understanding the book of Revelation. And there are four popular theories that have been applied toward the book of Revelation. First of all, we would look at the historicist view. This is a view that sees Revelation as a record of the course of human history from the time of the apostles until the end of the world. This view takes certain specific events that unfold through history and apply them in a correlative manner to certain of the contents of the book of Revelation. For example, they would see the early church persecution, as presented in a certain set of passages in the book of Revelation, and then the, the rise of Roman Catholicism, and the papacy is another set of chapters within the book of Revelation, or the rise of Islam, the Protestant Reformation. And each one of these human events would have its correlative representation within a certain section of the book of the Revelation. One of the problems with this view is it makes the book of Revelation fairly meaningless to its original readers. Historicists also disagree about which historical events fulfill which phenomena in the book of Revelation. Also, this method tends to be subjective, limited by one's grasp of history. Furthermore, they tend to be Europe-centric. They tend to have their focus in terms of history on the developments that are happening in Europe to the neglect of Asia and the Americas, etc. So that's the historicist view. It was common during the Reformation period. It's sort of fallen out of popularity today. One that's gaining some popularity in recent days, I'm not certain why, It's what's called the Preterist view. The Preterist view is subdivided into two categories. One would be the partial Preterist view, and the other would be the full Preterist view. The Preterist idea basically says that everything within the book of Revelation has already been fulfilled and was fulfilled ultimately about the year AD 70 when the Emperor Titus came in and destroyed the temple at Jerusalem and basically dismantled the Jewish way of worship. So the preterist, who is a partial preterist, would leave the final chapters of Revelation as still future in terms of their full fruition and accomplishment, whereas the full preterist would believe that all of the book of Revelation has been fulfilled. Obviously, the Preterist view would make the book of Revelation fairly irrelevant to every generation subsequent to the first century. Then thirdly, there's the Futurist view, which is basically the modern evangelical approach. It is losing its momentum in these days. The Futurist view basically relegates the entire applicability of the book of Revelation to the last seven years of human history. Well, they'll allow it to be relevant in terms of the first three chapters. The book is to be applied toward the last seven years of human history. Of course, that would make the book irrelevant to everyone from the first century to that final generation. There's a fourth and final approach that's gaining popularity in our day, and it's called the idealist approach. The idealist sees the book of Revelation as portraying not specific events as much as portraying theological principles and dynamics that are relevant and true in every stage of human history from the first to the second coming of Jesus Christ. So rather than seeking to find individual fulfillments of the particular visions that John has, the idealist view takes Revelation as kind of a drama, sort of a, an, a visit to the IMAX theater of the Bible, depicting spiritual truths that may occur over and over throughout history, conflicts between Christ and Satan, conflicts between the saints and the anti-Christian world powers and false religious systems and human governments, and then depicting the final victory of Christ and his saints. This fulfillment may be seen as recurrent, finding representative expression throughout the age, rather than a one-time specific dot-to-dot or connection-to-connection fulfillment, basically taking in the themes and the principles and the dynamics of human culture as it plays out in relation to Christ who is reigning on the throne. And of course, this would make the book of Revelation applicable and relevant to Christians in any age. So it's oftentimes stated that a picture is worth a thousand words. And, and in a sense, that's very, very true because we learn immediately from a picture rather than words on the page. Words on the page take effort and time to process, whereas a picture, it's immediately processed within our minds. The book of Revelation is a series of pictures, visions, that John has parading before him, like a river that continually flows. It's one vision after another, after another. Now, all four views that we've looked at today would agree with that, that it is what's known as an apocryphal genre of scripture or type of writing that's compared to, say, for example, historical genre, which would be the Gospels, the Torah, or the poetic genre, which would be Psalms, Proverbs, the Book of Job, or didactic genre, which would be the Epistles of Paul, prophetic genre, which would be Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and the minor prophets. This is a apocryphal genre. It is visions. It's Pictures that are parading in John's mind. Well, seeing all of this and remembering that a picture is worth a thousand words, let's take each one of these four options for interpreting the book of Revelation and try to represent them by virtue of a picture. So in other words, historicism, that's the first one that we looked at. Historicism would be like a series of still shots that were in our purview. Say you went into a movie theater and on the screen would be seen various images. The first one that you would see would be an image of, say, for example, persecution. And the historist would say, well, persecution, that's the first generation, maybe second, of Christians And then the next scene would be great creeds and councils, and the uh, historicist would say, well, that's the era of the confessions and the creeds of Christianity. And then another one might be the Dark Ages, or another one, the Reformation period. And so it goes. But each one of these events would then be, according to historicism, represented by a certain portion of the book of Revelation. The problem in terms of relevance is that what if you don't live during one of these times? Then the book of Revelation is really not relevant to you in any concrete way. It may have been relevant in the past to certain generations, but it's not relevant to you. It might be relevant in the future at some point, But it's not relevant to you today. So you would see just a series of still images. What about preterism? That was our second observation. Preterism would be, in picture form, something like pulling back a curtain to see the bloody end of the Jewish system of worship. You would see these horrendous images of the assault of Titus upon the temple and upon Jerusalem, upon Masada. You would see starvation, cannibalism, death, destruction. That's the only picture you would see, was everything that occurred just up until A.D. 70. Well, the third view was then futurism. How would that appear if we were to portray it in picture form. Well, if you were again in a theater, you would see seven ancient churches who occupy the region known as Asia Minor, modern day Turkey. And you would see the elders of these churches receiving these scrolls that were very painstakingly copied by the Apostle John or by assistants. And so somehow, one way or the other, these writings got to these uh, seven churches at Asia Minor. Well, once that scene had played on the screen, then suddenly the screen goes dark, and there's nothing. And so you sit there, and you're there for... Minutes, the minutes turn into hours, the hours turn into days, the days into weeks, weeks into months, months into years, and years into decades, and even millennia. Roll by, the theater is dark. There's nothing. When suddenly, in the last seven years, the screen lights up again. And in this scene, now Jesus comes halfway back to earth, Uh, raptures out his people, and then all hell breaks loose on earth. And then after seven more years, Jesus comes fully back to set up his kingdom on earth for a thousand years, and then there's problems at the end of that as well. But for the bulk of human history, that screen was black. It was dark. And so from the first century unto the last, the book of Revelation had lost its relevance. Finally, let's consider idealism. How would it be uh, portrayed in the image of the theater or the picture or the screen? Or Well, welcome to the IMAX theater, a giant circular screen. And on the left, it would begin to parade pictographs and memorials and tombs and stones. As it goes toward the center of the screen, you would see more up-to-date presentations of, of the church triumphing, and the church in persecution, and the church asleep, and the church overcome by apathy, and then awakening again, and then gloriously revealed over to the right would be this picture of the heavens, and of the new Jerusalem, the city from heaven coming down. It had no night, and it had no darkness, because, like the Son, the Lamb in all of his glory, and the Father was the glory and the light of this incredible scene. Every tear is wiped dry, and everyone is in the immediate presence of God in the restored Eden bathed in the light of his presence. That's what idealism would look like, so that every generation of Christians gets to participate in the grand vision. Well, so much for our podcast episode today. We hope you've enjoyed it. We hope you'll be back next week when we take up another one of the considerations about the book of Revelation and introductory concerns Until then, have a blessed day.